0: This morning, the title of my sermon is Honor His Sacrifice. Honor His Sacrifice. Do we have those pictures available? All right. So Awesome. Thank you so much, team. You're, you guys rock. So uh, I know you online at home won't be able to see these pictures with us, and that's okay. Um, it's just really uh, for me to talk about and you guys to watch from here. We, they won't see them online, right? Good, okay. So anyways, we just want to protect people's faces. But so uh, this month we got to take part in something very special. Um, You know, so around the globe there are Christians who are heavily persecuted for their faith. People still lose their lives today for the sake of the gospel, and um, in Asia there are many families who are actually made slaves. They're they're forced, they're put into forced labor with their children, their small children alongside them, and sometimes they'll work actually all the time. They work thirteen to sixteen hour days from children at the ages of three to adults. They slave and they work all day long, and so there's a ministry that we support and we partner with and we got to come alongside them to pay off a family's debt. That's how these families enter slavery. It's because they have a debt. Many times it's a medical debt and it's an amount of money that to us would seem quite small compared to the cost of their lives. So we were able to partner with them and and there's a reason that I want to show you guys these some of these pictures today. So um, if you want to just go ahead and pick a picture when you're ready. You know Besides the fact that we come alongside, and and many others do, to give their finances to help free them, there's also men on the ground. And so the men on the ground are the ones that actually put their lives in harm's way, right? They go to these places to pay off the debt, and many times they're met with violence. Their own families are at risk. They pay a great price for other people's freedom. And because of that, I feel like they are worthy of double honor, wouldn't you? Just like when somebody comes back from war, there is a measure of honor that we give them for their sacrifice. Now, the Bible is clear that all people should be honored. But when somebody sacrifices, there's even greater honor that we bestow upon them. So the men that go and actually make these freedoms possible, they're worthy of double honor. And if we can get pictures up, they're great. But if not, that's okay. I'll just tell you the story. they're they're working on it all right so you if you get them great if not i'll just keep going you know jesus paid a great price his blood was shed, and it was a very costly gift. It was the gift of his own life. The Bible says that he actually poured out himself unto death. And I can't talk about his sacrifice enough. I can't wear out talking about the debt that Christ paid for us. He paid our debt. We got to pay a family's debt. But you know what? Christ paid our debt. And the cost was not a couple thousand dollars. The cost was his very own life. He poured it out willingly for us. And so because of that sacrifice, we want to give him all of our honor. And so there are ways that we honor God. And today I want to talk about those ways. You know, it is possible to dishonor the sacrifice of Christ. It is is possible, just like it is possible to dishonor a person, right? And so the Bible tells us actually in Hebrews 2, 3, It says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now before that, before verse 3, in the very beginning there in verse 1, the apostle Paul begins to talk about, he said, you need to hold carefully onto the things that you have learned so that you do not drift away. And so if Paul is telling us to hold on carefully so we do not drift away, isn't there a possibility that we can drift away? We can drift away, and we don't want to drift away, we don't want to take for granted or neglect what Jesus did for us. The pictures are up. You guys, we can just take a minute and rejoice in this. So this is the family with all of their children in slavery, and you can thank your team for working hard to get those up there. You can keep going to the next ones. This, can you tell the difference here? This is them in freedom. This is what Christ does for us when he brings us into freedom. We go from mourning into rejoicing, and you can just keep going. So the men whose faces are blotched out, those are the men who I was talking about, who lay their lives on the line for the sake of freedom. And so they're worthy of great honor. And there you can see them getting to freedom. Why don't we just rejoice for a moment and just give (laughs) praise to God? For that family being set free. And there are so many more that are being liberated. Amen. It's an awesome ministry to come come alongside. Global Impact Ministries is the name of that ministry if you'd like to look them up, by the way. But so Jesus paid this great price for our freedom. And we want to live a life that shows him that we honor the cost that was paid for us. We don't want to neglect our salvation. Now the word neglect, I don't know about you, but when I hear neglect, I think of a child, I think of babies who've been neglected. And when something is neglected, it just means that we pay little attention. We don't give it the care that they need or deserve. But on the contrary, when we don't neglect something, we cherish it. So we need to live a life that we cherish the cross of Christ. We cherish the debt and the cost that was paid for our debt through Christ, amen. And so we do that in three ways. We do that by the way that we live. Say, the way that we live. We do that with the way that we love. Say, the way we love. And we do that with the way we give. Say, the way we give. And so this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. You know, I feel like in this season of time where there's been so much turmoil in our nation, honor has been lacking Honor has been lacking. And to be honest, at so many points in time, whether it's about someone wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or whether it's about a politician, my heart, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) got a frog in my throat thanks babe. My heart was grieved as I would look and I would see dishonor on social media or I would hear people talking in such a way of dishonor because when we dishonor people, we actually dishonor God as children of God. Because the Lord says in his word, whatever we do to the least of these, we do unto him. And that's with every area of our life. Whatever we do to the least of these, we do unto Jesus. So, What does it mean to not neglect the cross of Christ? It means that we cherish it, we think of it as being sacred. We realize the cost, we realize what he's done. I want to read to you guys a verse, this is our main passage of scripture, it's from Titus 2, verses 11 through 14, and it says, For the grace of God has been revealed. Bringing salvation to all people. Now, as I read this verse, I want to back up for just a moment. I'm going to pause. I want you to think of these three things. I want you to think of what the sacrifice of Christ has provided for you, what he asks of you in response, and why did he do it? Why did he do it? Think of those three things what the sacrifice of Christ provided for you, what he asks of you in response. And why did he do it? Let's start reading again. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. You can keep going. And we are instructed to turn away from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom And righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed he gave his life to free us from every kind of sin to cleanse us and to make us his very own people totally committed to good deeds So we see those three answers. We see that the reason, the why behind Jesus pouring out his life is to bring salvation to all people, to every tribe, to every nation. That word salvation is to make us safe, to make us whole, to make us healed, to make us delivered. That is the why. And then we see their response. What he asks us to do in return is to turn away from godless living and sinful pleasures and to live a life of righteousness and devotion to God and we see in this passage the the outcome what happens through that cross he frees us from the grip of sin it's not just that we're forgiven praise God that's the next part he cleanses us but he actually frees us from the bondage of sin first There is a bondage. There is a connection to sin that we have while we're lost and while we're bound. But when Christ came and he set us free, he actually liberated us. Like that family that you saw driving away in the vehicle, he liberated liberated us. He set us free from that tie to sin's hold and said, you don't have to live in its bondage any longer. This is no longer who you are. You are now righteous. You are now holy. You are now set apart, a people for my own pleasure. That is what Jesus did. And then the last part of that verse is he made us his own special possession, committed to doing good works. I love that part of the scripture because it says who we are. We are God's possession. We are God's sons and daughters. We are set apart for him. We belong to him. We don't live as being far away, which leads me to the first part the way we live. Three ways that we honor God. The first is the way we live. The first thing that happens when we receive Jesus as the Christ in our own lives is we go from looking at him at a distance to a close proximity. We now now no longer look off into the distance at his sacrifice, but we run in and we come close. And we're not afraid, even when we fall, to come to him. No, we run to him, as a matter of fact. We come quickly, and we know that there is no divide between us. Even when we fail, we come close. Jesus paid the price so that we could live a life that is close to God. Amen. And the second is we receive his gift of salvation. How many of of you know that when you want to honor someone and they give you a gift, the way to honor them is simply to receive the gift. I was at the store with my little guy the other day, and my little guy's a wonderful guy. I told him this morning, I said, buddy, you look at me, and you remember when you're bigger that I say you're wonderful. But we were at the store, and he had this little moment where this gentleman came up to him so kindly and said, buddy, I have a treat for you. And he handed him this $1 bill, and my little guy's pretty analytical. So he looked at him, and he said, that's not a treat. <laughs> I was I was a little embarrassed for a moment, and I was like, buddy, take the dollar. Take the dollar. Take the dollar right now. (laughs) I didn't do it that way, but I was like, take the dollar. That's a treat. It's for you to buy a treat. See, the way we honor someone when they give us a gift is we receive the gift. So Jesus gave a gift for all mankind. And if you want to honor him, don't punish yourself and stay far away. Run to him and take the gift. He paid the price so that you can be saved. Amen. And third is he... Gives us. He asks us to become a learner. There is a posture that we place our hearts in to honor God, and it is a posture of submission. It is the posture of a student. It is the posture of, I no longer know everything. No, I actually consider myself to know very little. And I sit at your feet, Jesus, as a learner. I come to your word as a disciple, not thinking that I already know any, everything. How many of you have tried to teach somebody something? that thinks that they already know what they're doing. Did I say that right? (laughs) Yeah, it is impossible. If you have a child in here, you could probably raise your hand real high. It is very difficult to teach somebody something when they think that they already know everything. And so when we come to God, we have to come to him with the position that maybe the way that we think something is, we could possibly be wrong about it. And so we go to his word and we look for the answers there. We go to his heart and we ask him for the answers there. And we become a student and we live life as a student. Amen. Amen. And next is we turn away from godless living and sin. Listen, godless living is exactly what it says. It's living without God in mind. Godless. Isn't that how we lived when we lived for ourselves? We lived without God in mind. We did what we wanted to do and so jesus has rescued us from ourselves aren't you glad can you say amen Amen. i know that my ways are not always the right way but god's ways are always right and righteous, and holy. So now we live with God in the room. You know, I can recall when I first gave my life to Jesus, and I I had this radical conversion with him, and it was so important for me to please him. I knew how loved I was, because that was my experience with God. God revealed to me how loved I was, and so I wasn't trying to please him so he could love me. I was trying to please him because he loved me. And so I just wanted to please my God. And I I was just born again. I didn't know everything the word of God said. So you know what I do? I did. I still do. I began to live with God in the room. Every day I would just picture Jesus was in the room with me. Would I watch? Should I watch that? I don't know, Jesus. I think you probably wouldn't watch that. I'll turn that off. Jesus is in the room with me. Would I say that? Oh, that might grieve your heart, Jesus. I probably shouldn't say that. I'm not going to say that. Jesus in the room with me. Would I do that? I I don't know, Jesus. You you might not be pleased with that. I probably won't do that. We live with God in mind. We welcome Jesus. We have this little sign in our family room, and it says Christ, the unseen guest in every room. Amen. And I believe that that is how we are to live our lives, before people we like and before people we don't like. No matter where we are, we're not shifting sand. We live with Jesus every go, we everywhere we go, we live with God in mind. Amen. And then it says, and sinful pleasures. You know, there is pleasure in sin for a moment, but it leaves you shattered in the end. There is si- there's pleasure in sin for a moment, but it leaves you shattered in the end. How many of you know that when a child trusts their parent, it's much easier to obey them. But when a child doesn't yet understand the ways of their parents, they ask why a lot. And sometimes they don't want to follow the advice of their parent. But as you grow and you realize that, you know what, my mother and my father is really trying to protect me. And what they have for me and what they're telling me to do is actually for my good because they love me more than anyone else. You know what happens? Obedience begins to get easier. And that's how it is with our God. We know that he loves us. So when he tells us to do something, it is for our good. And let me tell you, Jesus is the kindest person you would ever know. He is so kind. Jesus was not afraid to sit with sinners and scandalous people. He actually welcomed them. But he didn't treat sin the way he treated people. He treated people with kindness and love and honor and respect. Even, others, even those people that others shunned and made to stay away, Jesus welcomed them. But it's not like Jesus just said, it's okay, you can just live it. No, Jesus hates sin because sin destroys his people. And so Jesus actually said, if your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. If your eye is leading you to sin, gouge it out. Listen, if Jesus taught us to treat sin with that way, shouldn't we be willing to turn off a television if it's causing us to sin? If our computers, if our phones are leading us to sin, should we shut them down? Of course we should. Of course we should. Because God paid a price and we need to honor his sacrifice. And he gives us the power we need because he's a good father. He He doesn't tell us to do something that we're not equipped to do. He gives us power to overcome every tactic, every scheme, every plan of the enemy. He gives us power to overcome our own weaknesses So many times I come to God and I say, God, I feel like I'm weak in this area. Would you give me your grace? And you know what? He doesn't hold it back. He runs to me and says, here, take it. You need more, take more. Take as much as you need because he paid for it. It's paid for. Our sin is paid for. Our debt is paid for. And that is the God that we honor. It is the God that we serve. The next way to live for God is to keep a clear conscience. Now, with our conscience, I have to say, like, there are certain things when it comes to sin that we can look at the word and we can see very clearly this is sin. Lying is sin, stealing is sin. Sex outside of marriage, it's sin. But there are other things that people will ask us to take part in that we we don't, maybe it's not clear-cut, and we have to listen to the voice of our conscience. And so we want to keep a clear conscience before God. I want to read to you a couple verses about our conscience. 1 Timothy 1.19 says, Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. So if there is something that you think, you know, this might be permissible, but it just doesn't feel right on the inside. Keep your conscience clear. You know, it is possible to actually sear our conscience. And that's why you see certain Christians that maybe there's something to you that just isn't right. And you're like, how can they do that without being bothered? Their conscience has been seared. How does that happen? It happens when you ignore that voice inside over and over and over again. You get a seared conscience. So we have to come to God and we have to ask him, make us tender, Lord. If that is us in an area of our life, actually, we should all leave here today saying, God, make us tender. If there is something that I don't see, make me tender again. And so it says, and keep your conscience clear, for some people have deliberately violated their conscience. And as a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. Now, I want you to look at, I want to just briefly touch on two stories. One is about David. Um, And so David, you know, the Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart, even though most of us know the story of David and we know that he wasn't a perfect man. He actually sinned before God several times. But nonetheless, he loved the Lord and he was a man after God's heart, after God's own heart. And he had a very tender conscience. I want to read to you a passage from 1 Samuel 24, 5. Before before I do, what was happening to give you a little bit of the backstory is Saul was the king and um, David was serving Saul. Well, the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul and and he became wicked and he actually took 3,000. He had jealousy in his heart towards David and he took 3,000 men to go and hunt down David to destroy his life. And so, The King Saul goes into this cave, and David sees him. And David and his men are on the side, and David cuts just a corner of his robe of King Saul's. Now, he could have taken his life, but he didn't. He just cut a corner of his robe to show him, I saw you, and I could have killed you. And look what happens even at that. This is someone who wanted to destroy him he was actually out to kill him and look at his response this is what i call a tender conscience david's conscience began to bother began bothering him because he had cut saul's robe now we see when you read this story that because david's conscience was bothering him he didn't just let it go he actually went before saul Saul could have taken his life when he went before him. He was hunting him down, remember, in the story. Well, David goes before him, and he he shows him what he did. He repents to him, and he says to him in verse 12, May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord judge. And I think instead of some of us, at times, taking daggers and cutting off people in different ways, we need to humble ourselves and say, may the Lord judge between right and wrong in this. May the Lord judge. Now, I think we have to be careful sometimes when we talk about judgment because people will say, well, you shouldn't judge anybody. And there actually is a biblical righteous judgment. There is righteous judgment. And what righteous judgment does is it does not condemn a person, it actually judges fruit. It can discern between right and wrong. It can say, you know what, that is ungodly and that is sin and it is hurtful. That is not bad judgment. That is true judgment. It's judging according to fruit. But when we judge motives, or we begin to bash a person or name call or slander a person. Now that is when we are in error. Or we're not walking according to the standards of God. And so we need to repent. And we need to get that right. Oh, thank you, Lord, for your mercy towards us. Thank you for your kindness towards us, Father. And I want to read you one other story. It's with the Apostle Paul. Acts 23. So Paul was um, just arrested. And that's where, I, where I'm coming from in this in this. Chapter of the Bible in Acts 23, it says, Then Paul, looking earnestly at the council, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those, am I saying his name wrong? Ananias. I knew I was saying it wrong. Ananias. Uh, Sorry, I butchered that. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by to strike him on the mouth. And then Paul said, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. I think that's kind of funny. Whitewashed wall. (laughs) You whitewashed wall. I'm sorry. It was actually not a very nice thing to say, apparently, because we see what follows. He says, for you sit to judge me according to the law. Remember, Paul knew the law. He knew it very well, probably better than them. And do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? And then Paul said, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. Do you see that? Do you see that change in position that even Paul knew, even an ungodly man, when they were in a place of position, deserved honor. And so he had to be careful with his words. Listen, we're living in a day where we're throwing out so many slanderous words. And I'm going to tell you, it's okay for you to say that action is unrighteous. That is unholy. That is wrong. But when you begin to slander people, you are erring. And you are sinning against God. And so we have to get our hearts clean by coming to the Lord with repentance and with a lowly place and saying, God, I will not speak evil of those in authority. I will guard my heart and I will guard my thoughts where my words come from. Amen. I know this is a hard word maybe to listen. But you guys are holy in here. You you obey God. I know that about you. But this is important. These are truths we need to talk about. Amen. So the second way that we honor his sacrifice is with the way we love. You know, when we honor God, it becomes, like I said, much more easy to honor people. Because it's an outflow of our love for God is our love for humanity. An outflow of our honor for God is our honor for people. And so a life of honor, a life of love is a life of honor and humility. The greatest commands, the Lord said, you guys all know them. Maybe some of you don't. But it says the greatest commands are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. I I love this. This is from Danny Silk. Danny Silk said, honoring people is not at all dependent on whether we feel someone deserves to be honored. It is not dependent on other people's character. Rather, it is dependent on yours. He also said the test of honor is when we disagree. When we disagree, are we still respectful? When we disagree, can we still show honor we should? 1 Peter chapter 2 says honor all people. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Humility takes the low road. Humility does not act like it knows more than it should or than it does. A soft answer turns away wrath. We can be humble. We can be a servant, and it'll help us to walk in honor and in humility because they're connected and they're tied together. It's really hard to honor if we have a problem with pride. And I also want to read to you a a passage of Scripture about wisdom because the way of love is also the way of wisdom. It's in James 3.17, and it says, But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism, and it is always sincere. And then again in James 3.13, it says, If you are wise and understand God's way, prove it. By living an an honorable life. Doing good works with humility that comes from wisdom. We can do this. We're living in a time, guys, where there is so much opportunity to sin with our mouths. There is so much opportunity. But you know what? What if we looked at adversity? And what if we looked at trial? And what if we looked at temptation as opportunity? Opportunity. What if we looked at it Lord, right now I have an opportunity to bless those who curse me. Right now I have an opportunity to pray for those who despitefully use me. Right now, God, I have an opportunity to love my enemy. Right now I have an opportunity to feed and to give water to those who have hurt me. Listen, we have opportunity. Where there is great trial, there is also great opportunity to make Jesus known. We can be salt, and we can be light, and we can honor God with our lives by living in a way that is above reproach, by living in a way that is not like the world, by living in a way that is like our Christ. Amen? And the very last thing I want to share with you is that we honor the sacrifice of God by living a life of giving what do we give? What do we give? You say, give whatever you've been given. Jesus gave it all. And he said, freely, the word of God says, freely you have received, freely you what? Freely give. You know what? There's two things that I want to be really good at giving away. And they're going to make all the difference on the day when I stand before him in eternity. They are mercy and forgiveness because Jesus himself said, blessed are the merciful for they will inherit mercy. Do you want mercy? give mercy away. And then we know also with the stories that Jesus taught us that when we give forgiveness, it makes way for our forgiveness. So whatever God has given you, live a life where you give it away. Give away your words of affirmation. When you come to God, let me tell you, if you ever come to God and you hear a voice inside your head that pushes you away and says not worthy, that is not the voice of the the Savior. It is not. His voice is always come 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 you who are hungry come you who are thirsty he made the way for you to come to him so his voice says come our voices should say and echo what he says they should say come Amen. Our words should be words that build up and bring life just like the voice of our God. When you hear a voice, we're always hearing voices, aren't we? Because our minds are always thinking. (laughs) We're always talking to ourselves. That's the truth. We just shouldn't probably do it out loud or people might think we're crazy. But we're always telling ourselves something or hearing something. You know, it matters what you're believing. So when you hear something, you need to rightly discern, you know, is that my thought? Is that God's thought? Is that thought from something that's been planted from the enemy or another person? We need to discern that. And we need to know that God speaks to us in ways that are life-giving. Even when we fail, even when we sin, God's voice is always saying, turn. You know, that's what repentance is. So even with a message like this, when there are areas that we say, you know, I may have not done that great in some of these areas, we serve a good God. And his message to to us is simple. It is confess. Amen. We come to him and we confess, Lord, maybe I haven't done so good in this area. And then we come to him and we repent. We turn away from our own way of of living and doing, and we turn and we go in opposite direction. We go towards him. We bind. We bind the enemy and the accuser of the brethren, and then we receive. We receive grace. We receive mercy. We receive help in our time of need from heaven because that is the God that we serve. You know, one of the reasons that giving is a way of honoring his sacrifice is because for God so loved the world that he gave When God wanted to demonstrate love to the world, he gave us Jesus. And so we freely give our lives away. We give them to our God. And let it be our prayer that when the Lord tells us something, we answer with a resounding yes. Yes, I will go. Yes, I will do it. Come on right now on your seat. Let's just say it to him. Yes. Thank you, Jesus.